thank you, Lord, that we can proclaim that with confidence. Lord, that we as your children, we're not slaves to anything. No longer slaves to sin, no longer in the bondage of guilt and shame, no longer concerned about judgment. For we stand in the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Just as Moses went on a rescue mission, it is puny in comparison to the rescue mission you went on, Lord Jesus. You came to your own, your own received you not, but to as many as received you, to us, you gave the right to be called children of God. We thank you, Lord, for this great name that we bear. I'm a child of God. Pray that we would wear it with pride. And that we would go forth in the joy of the Lord, declaring that promise. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. So good to see you here this morning. Glad to, to come to the house of the Lord and just worship together. Amen. We've already had one. It was good. I tell you what. I hope this one's just as good. Amen. <laughs> Uh, we have started a series called Is This Babylon? And uh, if you didn't catch last week's, you can online. Uh, just know that there's, a, there's a, a, a supernatural, satanic spirit of seduction operating in this world, trying to draw people away from God. We need to be understanding of that. We need to be aware of it. Uh, but we do not need to fear it. Amen. Uh, as I said last week, God never intended on you to be fearful, but fierce as a child of God. And so recognizing you come from a higher kingdom, amen? Higher kingdom. So we're going to be looking at the book of Daniel. Daniel was one who actually lived in the city of Babylon. We're talking about the spirit of Babylon, but he lived in the city of Babylon in which this spirit was operating. And uh, as we see Daniel, it, it, it helps us to understand how that we might excel in this generation and in this age. And so turn there as you uh, find the book of Daniel and tell you a little story. There was a little girl and uh, she was going to the grocery store with her mother and they were at the, the counter to check out. They had the racks of stuff. And if you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about, about the racks. I remember them from my childhood. Those, those grocers are slick, man. They know what level to put it on what to put there, and how cheap to make it to where mom and dad just cannot resist buying you that stuff. But uh, there's this little, little stand and it had on some little trinket jewelry and there in that jewelry was a necklace in the package. And the little girl saw that necklace. She said, oh, mama, I want that necklace. Said, uh, okay, honey, said, you, you get an allowance, so why don't you save up and you buy that necklace. And so she went home on mission and she went home uh, and, and not only did she do her normal chair, chores, she did more than enough so that she could get more money so she could get her necklace quicker. And so she goes to the, the store that next time and she's got her money and she pulls her change out and, and she bought her necklace. She goes home with that necklace and man, she is so proud. She'd never take it off. She'd wear it to, to bathe. She'd wear it to bed. She just loved her little gold necklace. Of course, we all know it's not gold. It's actually started turning her neck green after a little while. And, and yet she just wore it with pride because it was her necklace. And, 
One night at bedtime, as daddy sits on her bed, said, uh, darling, would you give me your necklace? She kind of looked at him funny and said, but daddy, this is my necklace. I, I paid for it. Said, okay, darling. Kissed her on her head and tucked her in and he left the bedroom. About a week later, he comes back in there to tell her goodnight and, and uh, darling, could, could I have your necklace? She said, but daddy, I paid for this necklace with my own money. And he said, okay, darling, just kissed her on the head, tucked her in, left the bedroom. About a week later, as he walks in to tell her goodnight, there's a little girl sitting on her bed and tears rolling down her face and her little lip was quivering. And he said, what's wrong, darling? And he, she reaches up and she hands him her necklace. Well, as he did, he reaches in his pocket and pulls out a real gold necklace puts it around his daughter's neck. I don't believe it's the trash of this world that really hinders us Christians. I think our, we know that. We know to, to put that aside. We are no longer walking in the ways that we're not, we're not carrying that stuff anymore. That, that, that is left behind. That's our past. It's not the trash so much as it's the trinkets. Our hands are so full of the trinkets of this world that God can't fill our hands with the treasures of heaven. And so this morning we're going to talk about this, this sermon title is a good trade. It's a good trade. Daniel makes a trade. I want you to see in Daniel chapter one, I'm going to give you a little bit of the background. Daniel grew up in Israel and he was one of the upper echelon of uh, students in Israel. You see in a, in a family in Israel, you grow up in the household learning from mom and dad. And then you have your bar mitzvah at the end of your 12th year. It means you're a son of the law. You have learned the first five books of the Bible and uh, they celebrate it big time. I've seen it personally numerous times. You talk about a party and they get down with a get down and uh, celebrate that this son has now studied the law, has gone through and, and is now, you know, kind of a, a man in, in their eyes. Well, that rite of passage leads to another one. If you're a good student, you move on to higher education. You get picked up by a rabbi and and this Daniel and his three friends were uh, pretty studious and they were kind of high in, in, uh, in education and, and they were the, the, the most likely to succeed until Jerusalem is invaded by Babylon. And that's where we pick up in chapter one of Daniel, verse one. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, this is the king of Judah. This Judah is all that's left of Israel right now, the southern kingdom of Israel. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And if you don't know that word, besieged, I can just tell you it's the, the most horrendous kind of warfare there is. And all it is is cutting off the supply lines. And as they surrounded the city of Jerusalem, they surrounded the walls of the old city, the supply, supply lines are cut off and basically you starve people to death. And people do horrendous things when they're being starved to death. And so Nebuchadnezzar besieged the city and the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. And with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar. Now, as you read that, it, it may have paused you for a second when it says God gave them over. 
Well, God had already warned them when they made this covenant with God, we will be your people, you will be our God. They made a covenant with God. They would walk in the ways of the Lord and yet they rejected God. They began walking in the ways of the world. They rejected the Lord, had been following pagan practices, even so much as, as these pagan gods were demonic gods. They would throw their children into the fire to worship the God Molech and Asherah and Baal. And, and, and God says, I, I, will, I will punish you to bring you back into correction. How many of you know that sometimes God's chastisement is, a, is an act of love in itself to bring you back in the right way? And so he, he, he did as he had promised. In fact, he had sent numerous prophets warning them saying, come back to the ways of the Lord, but they never did. And so uh, they are now carried off into Babylon. Chapter one, verse three, then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs. This is King Nebuchadnezzar. He has a, a man named Ashkenaz who would, uh, the eunuchs were a, a different sort that would kind of do the bidding of the king and they would take care of his harem or his, these young men in this situation and, and kind of to, to do the bidding of the, the king. So Ashkenaz, the master of the eunuchs, he told him to bring some of the children of Israel, some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles. Young men, check verse four out, Young men in whom there was no blemish, but good looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them for a daily provision of the king's delicacies. Now let me explain to you what's going on here. It's called a re-education camp. Re-education camp. And what they do is... This, this has been going on for eons. I've experienced it myself, going through it myself. And uh, uh, it's uh, when they take away everything you know and understand, they start re-entering into your understanding, new knowledge. I left for the military. I had my own hair. <laughs> I have none now, but my own clothes, my own friends, my own family, my own lifestyle. You, this is what happens. They go and they take you away from all the things that you understood so that we can reestablish your education. And so in this situation, uh, actually Daniel is probably one of the more fortunate ones. They go into the king's palace and because he was of a, a higher level of status. They go into the king's palace and, and he says, I'm going to reeducate these boys. I'm going to educate them in the ways of the Chaldeans. And in doing so, when they are of great learning, then I can use these boys to rule over the kingdom of Judea or Judah, and uh, I'll use them for my benefit. So this re-education camp, uh, it comes along and says, I'm going to feed them. I'm going to give them the good stuff. I'm going to give them the king's delicacies. So when we see this in verse five, and the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine, which he drank. And the three year and three years of training for them so that at the end of that time, they might serve before the king. Verse six. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them, the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar to, and to Hananiah, Shadrach to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. You probably heard of those cats. Verse eight, but Daniel, check out verse eight. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which, which he drank. 
Therefore he requested the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Verse nine, now God had brought Daniel into favor and goodwill. Amen. God had brought Daniel into favor and goodwill. And, and, and so Daniel has predetermined. Now I need you to understand he has been ripped out of everything he has known and loved and understood. And he has been plopped down into the middle of a culture that is completely foreign to him. And yet he has been given opportunity for all the pleasures of this world that a young man could desire. I mean, you can imagine the, the food that the king has. And, the, and, and But you need to understand, Daniel was Jewish. He understood the word of the Lord and this hand down, the, the covenant that was handed down to the Jewish peoples, that there were certain foods that they could not eat. And yet in this pagan kingdom, they had all of these amazing foods. But Daniel says, that ain't kosher. That's not right. Some of these have been offered up to pagan gods and, and I don't want to defile myself with these foods. And so Daniel did not just refuse them. I need you to understand this. Daniel did not either compromise. He didn't compromise. He didn't condone. He didn't condemn, but he did confront on a spiritual level. I want you to see how Daniel hands, handles this. Now, because God had already given Daniel favor and, and because Daniel had already predetermined in his heart that he would not compromise. God has given an ear to Daniel's request. And there it goes. Verse 10. And the chief of the eunuch said to Daniel, I fear my Lord, the King who has appointed your food and drink for why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the King. So Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. You see that first word, please? That still works today, by the way. The word please. Now, I need to, I need to uh, just say this real quickly. Uh, I, I love that our, our youth group sits up front. We've got young people scattered throughout our churches, obsessed with passing on our faith to the next generation. Obsessed with it. That's what we think about it all the time. It's got to be a good handoff. But young people, I can tell you how to be a success in this world. I can guarantee you this is how you'll be a success in the world. Number one, receive the blessings of God and it's done. But number two and three, be responsible and respectful. Be responsible and respectful. Here's Daniel and he's respectful. He, he didn't just say, I'm not going to eat that trash. I'm not going to do it. You know how little kids do and just pout and say, no, no. But he said, but please, sir, let me just test this and let's just see what God will do. And so he was respectful and also responsible. And if you're respectful here in Athens, Texas right now, you can fog up a mirror and get a job. I mean, we go, we're looking for people to work everywhere. You can, you can just, if you're breathing, you got a job. But I guarantee you, if you're responsible and respectful, you'll keep your job. And so Daniel was responsible and respectful and said, please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion. So he says, do a comparison with us and them and uh, who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as and as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this matter and tested them 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh 
Now I have to tell you this is a miracle because I've seen them little vegans and vegetarians and I don't know how vegetables and water can make you fat. So it's got to be God. It's got, I, I don't mean to offend anybody, bless your little heart, but uh, here they are. They have, they have gotten fatter on vegetables and water than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Verse 16. Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they had uh, and that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. And now I need you to understand how long this is. You remember how long this is? It's three years. This is a fast for three years. We're going through a 21 day fast right now. We are on day eight. Uh, Yes, we are counting. <laughs> and it's 21 day fast. The greatest thing we do as a church all year long. It's awesome. It's amazing how God just, uh, just opens up our understanding to his word, to his will, to his ways. He just under, we just, just draw near to him in heaven. So in our 21 days of prayer and fasting, this may be foreign to you. I'll explain a little bit more as we go through the sermon. Uh, people, different people are fasting different ways. Daniel said, I won't fast. I won't drink anything but water and eat nothing but vegetables for three years. Three years. And so he gave up the pleasures of the king's house. He gave up the pleasures of this world that he might partake of the treasures of heaven. Amen. That's a good trait. That's a good trait. We, we, we say, oh, poor Daniel. My goodness. No bacon, no scrimps, no catfish. Oh, my goodness, Daniel. But I'm going to tell you, it's a good trade. Because look at verse 17. And as for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill and all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding and visions and dreams. Amen. He, he made a good trade. He says, I'm going to put off some of the pleasures of this world in order to grasp a hold of some of the treasures of heaven. And he and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were able to have great understanding and wisdom in the literature of this world, in the literature of Babylon. See, here's the thing. Sometimes us Christians, we get real weird. And I know y'all think we're weird, but we, we sometimes get real weird in that we want to separate from, separate from society, be isolationless. We need to pull away lest they corrupt us. We need to pull away. Daniel was not meant to be pulled away and isolated and insulated from Babylon. God gave him favor, planted him in Babylon and was going to excel him in ranks up the corporate ladder because Daniel was intended to be an influence on the king. If we think that, oh, we got we to gotta pull away, I'm, I'm not of this world. No, but we're in this world and we, may, we are meant to make an impact in this world. And you can't do that with the mentality of, oh, I can't touch that, I can't hear that. No, we are meant to navigate through this kingdom and recognize that we are called to a higher kingdom. And the higher, remember, higher kingdom. Amen. It's a higher kingdom. And Daniel knows what kingdom he's working for. And he spends three years in a fast. Now, at the end of the days, verse 18, when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Three years. Then the king interviewed them and among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they served before the king. 
This is what I'm talking about, about excelling in this age. God doesn't, God doesn't intend on you just to, to go off in some monastery somewhere and isolate yourself and insulate yourself from this, the corruption of this world. No, he plans on you shining the light of Jesus Christ into the dark places of this earth and transforming the earth because that's what the mission he sent us on. Amen. And so Daniel excelled, put into the king's palace. Now, verse 20, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them 10 times better. Amen. He found them 10 times better than all the magicians, astrologers who were in his realm. He said, man, I've got wise man. I've got wise men, magi, uh, magicians. I've got these astrologers. I've got these guys who are old who've been studying this stuff all their life and these four young guys are blowing them out of the water how is it that they know these things you know how they know these things our God has blessed them amen and he has promoted them and I want you to notice that last verse verse 21 thus Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus if you don't know the history about that that don't mean much to you But let me just tell you how long that is. 70 years and three kingdoms. 70 years and three kingdoms. And God continued to promote him. He would would have the ear of King Nebuchadnezzar himself on numerous occasions. And God would use Daniel to bring kingdom influence into this Babylonian kingdom. Amen? I want you to know that God intends on you making a difference in this world. Make it a difference. No, we don't compromise. We also don't condone. But we also don't condemn and say, oh, you're, you're going to hell. No, here's what we do. We confront it. We, do, we confront it on a spiritual level. And with respect and responsibility, we handle kingdom things and recognize that we can navigate through these things of this world and bring kingdom influence and confronting it on a spiritual level. He did it in a spiritual way. He made sure he was in tune with the Lord, in line with God, and God was using him to make a kingdom impact. Amen? In fact, so much so that Nebuchadnezzar many times called out unto the Lord. And and there was one time in which the man went crazy. Daniel told him he was going to go crazy. He went crazy, crawling around on his hands and knees. His fingernails grew like claws. He's eating the grass of the field. His hair grew like feathers on on a bird's back. And the man lost his mind. And yet he came back because of the influence of Daniel and the testimony of our good God. Came back to his senses. Amen. And gave praise to the Lord. Well, it was still an evil kingdom. And in that evil kingdom, there was already a plan that God had for it. And Daniel had already prophesied. If you read through the book of Daniel, you'll see he's, he has got insight into heaven like no other. And we still study his writings today. And Daniel is, has got his finger on the, on the pulse of God. And he's also navigating through this kingdom. And, and yet... Here comes a time in which the kingdom will be no more. The kingdom of Babylon, the, the first one world kingdom that, that governed over the whole world, the known world at that time, is now defeated by the Medes and the Persians. And if you'll look in da- chapter 9 of Daniel, you'll see that account. In Daniel chapter 9, we have a, 
the downfall of Babylon. Babylon has fallen. Darius, the king of the Medes, has now come in and is now ruling over the kingdom. And what I want to point out to you is that three-year fast that Daniel went through, that was just part of his life. That was a practice that he did. See, fasting is weird to people nowadays. I want to tell you why it's weird to people. This was an, an ongoing practice in our Jewish roots and also in our early church history. It was an ongoing practice. People did this regularly. Why is it so weird now? Maybe it's because the church of Jesus Christ has been so saturated and soaked with comfort and pleasures that we don't know how to tap into the kingdom of God anymore. And now when we say we're going to fast, people are like, what is that? You would not eat? You would put off the things? What are you, what are you talking about? You're crazy. You're crazy. We say, I'm crazy for Jesus. Amen. I want to, I want to draw near. I want to, I want to hear the heart of God. I want to press in. And here in chapter nine, the kingdom has fallen. And guess what happens to Daniel? The, the kingdom is done. What do normally happens to people in high positions in the kingdom? They're killed. Guess what happens to Daniel? He gets moved up. He gets moved up. And in chapter nine, as the Medes come in, in the first year of Darius, the son of that guy, I don't know his name of the lineage of the Medes who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books of the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. Let me explain. What's going on now is the kingdom has been overthrown. We have a new king and Daniel's concerned. But also he knows God had promised to the prophet Jeremiah, also through Isaiah, that Israel would be handed over for 70 years. And maybe he's thinking, God, could it be that in this time you'll show mercy to Jerusalem and restore us back? And so what does he do when Daniel, anytime Daniel is going through these major life transitions, anytime Daniel needs to hear from heaven, guess what he does? He fasts. Chapter 9, verse 3. Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplications with what? Fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, and then we see Daniel's prayer, and it goes on for a little while. You're saying, so what is it about this fasting business? Well, here's the thing about fasting. It is putting aside the pleasures of this world in order to to, to partake in the treasures of heaven. In other words, I am not manipulating God and trying to get him. It's not like a child holding their breath. I don't want you to do what I, what I want you to do. I'm going to hold my breath until you do it. That's not fasting. That's testing God. That's dangerous ground. But fasting is not bending God my way. Fasting is bending me God's way. And it gets my ear closer to his voice and I can hear him better. And, and, and so maybe you're, you've never done this sort of thing before and you're going to start off. I want to do that. I want to finish. I want to do the next 14 days with y'all. I'm going to fast. I ain't going to eat anything. Well, good luck. <laughs> I remember my first time to fast. I, I wasn't brought up with that. I, we didn't do that in church and uh, been to a couple of churches. We didn't fast. That's crazy talk. I think that's some Bible stuff, but I don't do it. And then I was in the ministry and, and I got to look it into it a little bit. I said, oh, we're going to fast. Christy and I decided we're going to fast. And so we're going to do a, a one day fast. 
I thought I would die. I thought I would die. People lied to me. They said, oh, you'll get so close, the scriptures will just come alive. I couldn't see the scriptures. My eyes was crossing my, I was so hungry. I was, uh, now I had gone day, uh, a day without food because working so hard and too busy to eat and never even thought about it. But when you're fasting, oh, I was thinking about it, baby. I was so hungry. I remember sitting by my bed that night. God, help me. I don't think I can, this is one day. One day. And uh, I, I want you to know that sometimes fasting is best worked into. There's ways to do it. Daniel, he said, I, I, vegetables and water. That's how I fast. And, and that's, a good, that's a good way. That's uh, putting off some of the pleasures. There's all sorts of ways. You can say, I, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to eat breakfast. I'm going to spend that time with the Lord. I'm not going to be eating breakfast or lunch. I'll spend that time with the Lord. There's different ways. I, I, when I went back to a 24 hour fast, I learned how to cheat it. <laughs> and it's a good cheat. It's, it's a good cheat. So I would, I would eat it like seven o'clock in the afternoon. And then I would sleep through the night and not eat breakfast and lunch. And then I'd eat eight o'clock the next evening. That's 24 hours. And I had to suffer that night and to suffer the next night. Sometimes you need to grow into it. I'll also say this. If the Lord tells you to do it, you do it no matter what it is. Because if he calls you to do it, he'll help you through it. Amen. And so these guys, it was a part of their life. It was how they knew to draw near to the Lord. And in chapter nine, as Daniel makes this prayer to the Lord, guess what God does? He answers by sending him an angel, not just any angel, the archangel Gabriel. Daniel has a visitation from the archangel Gabriel and, and, and Gabriel shows up, verse 20 of chapter nine. Now, while I was speaking, praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, presenting my supplication before the Lord, my God, for the holy mountain of God, Jerusalem. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel now, we, we know he's not just a man, but he's an angel in the appearance of man. We, all, we think that all angels are in the appearance of men. That, that's not the case. And, and so the man, Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering. And he informed me and talked with me and said, oh, Daniel, I have now come forth to, to give you skill to understand Every time that Daniel needs some understanding of God's will, he would fast. And every time he did, he got it. Amen. It's a good trait. I can, I can put off a meal to hear from God. I can put off a, quite a few meals to hear from God. And so uh, now I ain't never had an angel show up and tell it to me, but he was special. Oh, Daniel, I've now come forth to give you skill to understand. At the beginning of your supplications, the command went out and I have come to tell you, check out this next part, for you are greatly beloved. Daniel, I just left the throne room of God and he's got a word for you. He wants me to tell you he loves you so much. Daniel, God loves you. I just left heaven with the word from him. Oh, Daniel, great. You are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. And the angel would explain to him the vision that he had seen. And, and yes, that they were to spend the 70 years in captivity. Chapter 10. 
Now that kingdom has fallen. That kingdom didn't actually fall. That, that king, these two kingdoms are working together, but that king has been moved aside by the next king. And his name is Cyrus. Chapter 10. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was long. And he understood the message and the understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. He was mourning. He, he wanted to see Israel restored. He wanted to see the temple rebuilt in Jerusalem. And he spent three weeks. When it says he was mourning, guess what he was doing? Let's read it. I ate no pleasant food. No meat or wine came into my mouth. Nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. He fasted for three weeks. A 21-day fast. And in his 21-day fast, he hears from the Lord. And so it tells us on the 24th day of that particular month, all of a sudden here Gabriel shows up again. And Gabriel tells Daniel, I'm just going to cut to the point. Gabriel, Gabriel tells Daniel, Daniel, I got news for you. God has a message and he says, Daniel, look at it. What verse is it? Verse 11. Oh, Daniel, man greatly beloved. Daniel, God sure loves you. God sure loves you and he wants you to understand the words that I speak to you and to stand upright for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking the words to me, I stood trembling. And he said, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself and those words, humble yourself, usually almost always accompany fasting. Before your God, your words were heard and I have come because of your words. So Daniel, the first day you started in prayer and fasting, God in heaven's throne room says, Gabriel, go. Our boy's calling. And, and, and he said, Daniel, I came as soon as you started praying. Verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. What, what's going on here? These are, this is not a physical prince holding off the archangel Gabriel. This is a spiritual principality. This is a spiritual authority that, that has been manipulating and using these kingdoms for the, the use of the enemy, Satan. And, and Gabriel says, I had to come by myself and fight through that mess. But I made it and I came to you to tell you and give you the understanding of the vision. Did you remember what he said? The first day you started praying and fasting, God sent me. The word angel simply means a messenger. And he was a messenger from God bringing heaven's insight into a guy that was asking for it, but was so serious about it. He says, I'm going to put off the pleasures of this world and press into the heart of God. I need to know the Lord's will in this situation. What do you do when you're faced with life challenges, life transitions? What do you do? You you, you, you call in your friends. I need you to help me make a decision. You put it out on Facebook. Oh, everybody does that. What do you do? You, 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 you offer up a little nod to God and say, hey, uh, could use some insight here. How serious do you want it? How serious? How, how bad do you want to draw near to the Lord? Because when we get so serious that we say, I'm willing to put off the pleasures of this world to draw near to the heart of God, God says, now you got my attention. Now this boy is serious. 
This boy is drawing near to the heart of God. And when we see God just like move in these situations, it encourages me to continue to draw near to God. Amen. That's a good trade. I'm going to I'm going to miss a meal in order to spend time. You know what we found out as we fast? Most of us just habit. Most of us just habit. Man, I remember when I got serious with the Lord. Uh, I'm finna tell. I'm finna tell some ugly on me. All right, so here I'm gonna tell some ugly on me. Some of y'all rednecks can feel me. All right, so I remember when I got serious with the Lord. I I quit being a drunk. I thought you couldn't eat crawfish without drinking a beer. <laughs> It just happened. And, and then I, I remember even if I was walking with the Lord, uh, I remember driving down. My truck would automatically turn into Dairy Queen and get a blizzard. I mean, it's just it's just habit. But so many of us Christians get into the habits of this world and it's sapping us from the treasures of heaven. It, I believe it is so true. Most of us know, put the trash behind, kick it away. No longer live in the sin that you used to when you was walking in the ways of this world. But that's not what most of us are struggling with. Most of us are struggling with holding on to all the stinking trinkets. We got these little cheap, green turning, <laughs> fake gold garbage. In the book of Revelation, Jesus was, was speaking to one of the churches and they thought they were so rich. This was a part of their problem. And he said, I want you to buy real gold. Well, don't you know he wasn't talking about this world's gold. He said, I want you to get the true treasures of heaven. I want you to put away those things and, and get the true treasures of heaven. And, and we see this when Daniel is pursuing the Lord in such a way, he is being promoted he is, being, he is being successful. He is excelling in this age. And if, if we could continue to say, I will not compromise. I will continue in the ways of the Lord. It'll happen for us too. Why? Because God wants to use you for kingdom influence. God wants you to spread the light of his glory. Even in the midst of Babylon. And he will, he will excel you in that. You know, as a... Uh, we study more and more about prayer and fasting. Maybe you're here and right now you, you really can't think about being a light to this world because you can't seem to get past this in your own life. You, you got this thing in your own life. You just can't seem to, to move past it. And, and Lord, if, you, if we can just deal with this, then I'll move on to greater things. I'm going to tell you something. Fasting is the most powerful thing to receive the breakthrough that you're wanting. I'm going to tell you how I know that. Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John, they're up there. They have an amazing mountaintop experience with God the Father. And there's Moses and Elijah. And big story. Cool deal. His disciples are down there ministering to the people at the base of the mountain. I've been on this mountain. And after that experience is over, Jesus and the disciples come down to find a church conflict, which seems to happen sometimes. They got a conflict. We got, the, we got a, a healing meeting going on, and yet this, this child is brought forth, and the disciples couldn't, couldn't heal him. This child had a demon in him. 
And this demon was, it was self-destructive. I mean, this, he would throw him into the fire, throw him in the water. He's trying to kill this boy. And, and the disciples are trying to cast this out. And the demon ain't moving. No. Jesus comes along and says, what's the problem here? Well, we couldn't get this demon out. Just get. <laughs> I, I like to think he's doing it like a stray dog. Get out here. So anyway, <laughs> get. And the demon fled. And the disciples said, when they got along with Jesus, you know, we kind of humiliated ourselves from all those people. Lord, why couldn't we do that? We cast out other demons. Well, and then he gives them a story on faith and he says, because you're unbelief. And he said, if you believe, you could tell this kingdom, well, this, now I'm fixing to get into another Bible story. You can pray and God will have, make it happen. But he said, this kind only comes out. Some of y'all know where I'm going with prayer and that's right. Don't you know those disciples been praying? Oh, they were praying. They were praying up heaven. My goodness, Lord, please get this thing out of here. Lord, help us do this. Lord, Lord, Lord. He said, you got to draw near. This is, not a, this is not one of those weak little demons. You need a real serious breakthrough. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? How bad do you want to break that chain of bondage that's been holding you all of these years? How bad do you want to hear the voice of God? How bad do you need to know the ways of God or the will of God for your life? How bad do you want it? Bad enough to put off some of the pleasures of this world? I promise you, it's a good trade. It's a good trade. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Father God, we thank you for the truth of your word and the principles that you teach us. the powerful practice of fasting or just simply putting off the things of this world and pressing into the things of heaven oh you move mightily when we do pray that you would just draw us in right now move our hearts even at this time of invitation in Jesus' name I pray, amen. As we have an invitation, let's stand. We're going to have a time in which you can respond to the Lord. We have an altar team at the front. They're willing to pray over you for anything whatsoever. We have, we're in our 21 days of prayer and fasting, which we come together every morning at 6 o'clock. And what we have in these little buckets are prayer cards. And you can fill out those prayer cards and leave it. Let's like these are up here. Leave it up here on the altar. And as we come, there's like 50 and 60 people every morning that just come in and just charge in heaven. You're all invited, by the way. And we will come pray over every one of these prayer requests. Maybe you want to come do that during this invitation. But when we talk about putting off the pleasures of this world, Jesus said this. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? I can tell you what, nothing, nothing. In fact, 1 John says, he who loves the world, he who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, we know what he's meaning. If you choose the world over God, if you choose the world over God, means you really don't love God. And I love the concept or idea or want his, want his blessings, but always choose God. 
We have this invitation. You move as God leads you to.